to a special bonus episode of Screaming Through the Ages, a horror movie history podcast. Today on this episode, I'm going to get a little bit more into the history happening every day as the History Channel would try to sell itself to you as. And we're going to talk about a piece that I saw one morning in Paste Magazine and have just now kind of gotten around to being able to talk about it. And it kind of incensed me a little bit. And it's not necessarily directed at the author of the article because I think she makes some good points even though some of the stuff she's writing is pretty rot and not necessarily on the mark. But I think it's a good jumping off piece for a hot button issue in horror. And something that has been a hot button issue since, oh, probably the last five, six years, I would say, at least. And that is the term of elevated horror. So, first of all, I want to introduce the piece that I'm talking about. And I want to go down and go paragraph by paragraph and tackle what the author is saying. And my reaction or statements to that first. Then we're going to get into a broader segment of the elevated horror and some questions surrounding that as well. So I hope you're on board for this and let me know in the future if you want more of this kind of content. This was just something that was on my mind and I could bust out a quick episode about this. So let's begin. Okay, so let's introduce the crux of this entire episode. And that is the article on pastemagazine.com titled Men and the End of Elevated Horror. Now, that is alluding, of course, to the movie Men by Alex Garland, which had released, oh, a little over a month ago at this point. And I have not seen Men. I have not gotten a chance to see Men. Um, I hope that I do. I know it's very divisive, but what isn't these days? So when she's talking about Men in this article, I'm not going to be directly responding to any of that because I haven't seen the movie. It's not fair for me to say either way. And I know some people who would give that movie like a 2 out of 10 and some people who would give that movie an 8 out of 10. So... It's not fair for me to comment on. But this article was written by Brianna Ziegler on May 31st. And, or it wasn't written then, but published then at least. And Brianna seems to be, uh, mentions in here something about her undergrad in 2018. I don't know when she graduated college, but seemingly on the younger end of her 20s or mid-20s now. So a little bit of a gap from myself, not too much of a gap, and a large gap from a lot of the people within the community, at least that I podcast with and talk to back and forth. So we're getting another perspective here. And I don't think it's the typical perspective that you'd be expecting. But let's get into this article without wasting any time. So the preamble here, the first paragraph is talking about the trailer of Men. And it says, when the trailer for Alex Garland's Men was unveiled to the public back in March, I felt a bit incensed. Chic Distribution and Production Company, A24, has a habit of releasing similar trailers for the horror films they acquire. Sterile string plucking, piano key tapping, escalations of fast edits, culminating in silence, and a lead's eerie one-liner. I'm gonna stop you right there. Yeah, when I saw this trailer for Men, um, I knew nothing about the movie. It was very clear that afterwards I knew nothing about the movie. And A24 has always been seen as this artsy distribution company. The problem with that is I don't think you realize that... A24's put out Slice, you know, the pizza delivery movie. A24's put out a lot of schlock on top of putting out these so-called elevated horror films. So I don't disagree with you on the trailer thing. I don't. Let's continue on. These previews serve to showcase in part that the company is both largely interested in the same kinds of horror films and also in promoting them in the same recognizable way. 
It's wrong to judge a movie from its trailer. Trailers can be misleading intentionally and unintentionally, and should not be considered true markers of quality for a completed feature that one has yet to see. A24, for all its weirdo stands and pick-and-choose marketing style, also happens to realize very good films. And Garland, an acclaimed screenwriter who previously helmed Ex Machina and Annihilation, tends to make them. But the topic and title of Garland's latest haven't done it any favors, since the trailer, and it turns out the full film, follows suit. Okay, and I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to say anything about men, like I said. But with the trailer, there's nothing wrong, um, to an extent, that is business for A24 to market its films the same exact way to pick up the same exact audience, and I think it works a lot of the time. Yeah, you might have people who are all about A24, but more likely than not, you have a lot of people also rallying against A24. So, <laughs> I think you've got hate on hate and love uh, for A24. I think there's plenty of both out there. Um, so I get it. I get what you're saying about the trailers, but that's just good business marketing because people know they see an A24 in the front. They're expecting a certain thing uh, for the most part, and you're going to get a certain install base just by doing the trailers the same way. So I don't see anything wrong with that personally as a from a creative standpoint. Yeah, I don't like it, but I'd rather them do that than, one, give away everything in the trailer, and two, I'd rather them be able to fill the seats for these A24 films. So, take that as you will. Okay, now I'm skipping over a little bit more of this, um, because it is specifically talking about men, but it says here, based on the premise showcased in the trailer and the title alone, it seemed a little too apparent what men would be attempting to tackle at feature length. Along with the irritatingly composed trailer, it came off like another pseudo-intellectualized tackling of real-world social and psychological issues and the years-long attempt to legitimize perceived lowbrow horror genre. Intrinsically bloodless, completely full of itself, and a chore to get through. But I should be clear, the term elevated horror is just annoying as the worst films within the designation. A horror film is a horror film, whether or not it's got its head up its own ass. Okay, a couple things there. You're tackling what the film's trying to do and trying to take on social... Issues, which is something horror's been doing for years, and I think is mentioned later in this article. So I'm not going to stick on that. Where we get this is we're talking about, you know, elevated horror being used to legitimize horror as not some lowbrow thing. And I get that. I 100% get that. And I absolutely believe in the line, a horror film is a horror film, whether or not it's got its head open up its own ass. Even though I'm not going to say that these elevated horror films necessarily do or don't. We can get into this a little later when I go into my deeper discussion after the article. Let's continue on. Still, Men immediately comes off as compounding the worst instincts of this misguided concept. Gore is sparse, indulgent metaphors abound, and it wants to be taken very, very seriously. Adopted across the board by a large swath of modern American horror, these elements represent an approach to the genre that I have increasingly grown to detest. A24 is not alone in the distribution of these films. You can find them anywhere. It's the style du jour. Dealt by everyone from Neon with The Lodge to 20th Century with Antlers. Let's stop right there. A couple things. Just because there's no gore, just because there's metaphors and a film wants to be taken serious, that does not mean it's of a certain brand. A horror movie is a horror movie. I don't really care. I don't get as much into the subgenre genres, the classifications, all this stuff, as most people do. If I think something's horror, something is horror. And I don't care if it's not bloody. I don't care if it's trying to say something. Horror films have been trying to do that forever. 
and more on that later. Now, when you call the Lodge Elevated Horror, I guess, I've never thought of it that way. When you call Antlers Elevated Horror, no. Come on, come on. This is the problem. This is part of the problem. Can you define what Elevated Horror is? Can you take it and put a certain subset of films in there and have that broadly agreed upon, you know, let's say 50% of the films that are in there, let's say they're agreed upon. I doubt you're going to get that. You can get um, Get Out and The Witch and The Babadook and things like that. Sure. But we'll get into this a little more in this article. I don't know what you're getting at by calling Antlers Elevated Horror, just because what it has some kind of a message, what, like a child abuse message? Front and foremost in Antlers is the Wendigo, especially later in that film. I don't want to hear some kind of message. Yeah, there is a stilted part of that that's trying to get a message across, but anyway, <laughs> this is the piece of this that's getting me so upset. Um, let's continue. Even the better ones bog themselves down, trying to be topical in overt, heavy-handed ways. That happens sometimes, but more likely than not, the movies that you're mentioning in this, except for men because I haven't seen it, aren't that heavy-handed and aren't that overt. I'm just saying. Uh, the otherwise delightful fresh beats you over the head about the dangers of gender dynamics in modern dating. Don't agree that that's elevated at all. Why? Because it has a message. Again, we're going to get on this. Okay, let's go to the next point. Sleazy Slasher X discomfortingly stalls in its fixation on the horror of aging. Calling X elevated horror is just wrong. I think calling any of Ty West films elevated horror is just wrong. They might be slow burns. You might call them mumblecore. That's a topic for another day. Get out of here with that. But there's plenty in X to make it a straight-up horror movie. There's no... I don't think... You're tackling one of the most loved films this year so far. One of the least divisive films in a time period when almost every big horror release is divisive. Um, and there's so much vitriol surrounding it. You don't see that much bad about X. It's because it appeals to everyone. So, anyway. Same thing with Fresh, too. You're taking on some darlings of this year that not many people think are bad movies. The Nighthouse ruins nearly every beautifully ambiguous detail with an ending that both explains everything away and literalizes its own metaphor. Okay, I agree with that one. Um, I think The Night House is a good movie, maybe even a great movie, up until that ending, and that ending is atrocious. You got me hook, line, and sinker with that one. Well done, Brianna. But again, I don't know if I would classify that as elevated horror, because I don't think about elevated horror. Maybe it is. Sure, but let's move on. Okay, so here is another paragraph about men, which not going to go into. There's also a piece down here about, you know, the movie watching this film as a woman knowing it was written by a man having anything to do with it not being able to tackle a subject. I don't believe in that. I believe anyone of any race, you know, religion, sexual orientation, gender, anything should be able to tackle whatever they want. If you've got something to say, say it. Maybe you won't be able to tackle it as well as someone who, you know, is down in the trenches, so to speak. But... If you got something to say, say it. I don't care. I separate the art from the artist almost entirely. And if you got something to say, do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to judge you. But anyway, let's continue. So I'm going to skip down a couple more paragraphs because we do have a lot of talking about men in here. But audiences want more creativity too. Tiring of only these elevated horror offerings in the mainstream. Okay, that is just unequivocally false. 
and you kind of ruin your own point later in the article. But let's talk about some big films in the mainstream that have nothing to do and would never be considered elevated horror. Dr. Sleep, It, Halloween, Scream. There are so many that would never be classified under this elevated horror. Or if it would, it would be on the very fringes. <laughs> I can't get behind that at all. I mean, you've got Last Night in Soho and A Quiet, Quiet Place to Part 2 and Malignant, and I wouldn't consider any of them anywhere near elevated horror, whatever you want to say. So, no, that is not it in the mainstream. Uh, those movies pull in money. They pull in some bank. And not all of them. I mean, Last Night in Soho's not going to get that kind of prestige. But anyway, I have a real problem with that statement. Because, yeah, it might seem like there's a lot of those coming out. A lot of times, A24, listen, everything, everywhere, all at once is an A24 release. And that just surpassed the biggest haul by any A24 film. And I think it's something, it was something around 86 million. That's not mainstream. Um, That movie is well known. But that's not the success of a lot of other films. Hereditary, I believe, also, I think that's the one it passed. And that was around 80 million, too. You want to talk about mainstream, talk about It Chapter 1. 327 million domestically. And another 372 million internationally. Show me those numbers, and then we'll talk about mainstream. Just because people write more about, um, in articles, in the media and everything, write more about, quote-unquote, elevated horror films, that does not make them necessarily the most mainstream and the only show going in town. There's plenty of stuff, and horror is more diverse than it's ever been. If you want almost anything, you can find it. And a lot of times you can find that in the movie theater. There have been so many horror films coming out this year to movie theaters. You can get a little bit of everything. And honestly, to push back on that, Blumhouse is probably doing a lot better job than A24 as far as selling itself and what it does. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you a little bit on that. But I mean, you're saying that's the only thing say Hereditary is up there in the 80 million mark. I mean, Halloween, Halloween Kills made that. Scream made close to that. So yeah, anyway, we're going to be here all day if I keep going on this. Let's, uh, let's continue. Now, you do mention something, a counterpoint that I was just saying you kind of contradict yourself because you said this felt clear with the popular success of James Wan's Malignant last year. But there have been films for the past five, six years that are on the top of horror fans' list and doing great at the box office that are not elevated horror. So, anyway. Um, I wouldn't say the film. So I'm going to cut a little bit here, out here because it is a little bit of spoilers for Malignant. But it's saying here, uh, Like most films, most horror has been about something. Even the sleaziest B-grade slop has something it's trying to convey beyond what can be drawn from the surface-level text. Of course, David Cronenberg's body horror work obviously offers up plentiful readings to be studied but Cronenberg's perversions of the flesh can also be considered a few things that many of these bastard horror children are not. Beautiful, textured, shocking, revolting, fun. Most importantly, the text and the subtext are in equilibrium. This creates a genuinely entertaining work that, for example, seamlessly and intelligently considers the relationship between modern technology and the human condition. Okay, agree to disagree. Uh, Cronenberg is great and Cronenberg's messages are great, but... I'm not going to get on the bandwagon that these elevated horror are just up their own butts for the sake of being up their own butts and trying to convey a message that they don't truly believe in or anything like that, and they're not connecting the dots. And, I mean, no. Maybe you're not fun. Are you going into a horror movie for fun? Listen, is Videodrome fun? 
When when was Videodrome fun? Is Crash? Is David Cronenberg's Crash fun? Is uh <laughs> Is the Fly really that fun? Is it fun? I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like something is the same disjointedness that you're trying to um apply to elevated horror is kind of coming off in your article because I don't know if I've watched a lot of Cronenberg that I would say is fun. I love a lot of Cronenberg, but I I don't know. That's the problem I have with this article is it seems to be saying something that I can get behind and at the same time it's kind of um bouncing off to something I just can't agree with. And I don't mean this as a this is not something to take down Brianna Ziegler. I'm not trying to do that because and I'm not saying she's not a horror fan and just because she's young, this and that. No, I'm not a gatekeeper of the horror genre. I think all are welcome, no matter what kind of style of horror you like. If you like horror comedies and solely horror comedies, you're welcome. If you like slashers and only slashers, if you like French Extreme and only French Extreme, you know, best of luck to you. But <laughs> I think um, everyone should be welcomed into this community, and we need to be even more welcoming. And I think it's getting better and better at doing that. But you need to just respect everyone and respect their views on the genre and everything. There's no reason to push someone out because you don't like the kind of films that they like and this and that. Now, if someone's being a belligerent asshole, that's a little bit different. But what I want to say is I'm not trying to put down the author of this article. And I'm not just trying to critique and piece this. This is a lot of built-up frustration in general. So I think this is a fairly decent article, you know what you're talking about, just sometimes you kind of contradict yourself, and I'm trying to pull out some pieces where I just don't agree with. It's not necessarily that I have the right answer, I'm just saying I don't necessarily agree. Let's get back on track here. The issue with trendy modern horror is that the metaphors tend to overpower everything else, and this seems to be the point. Okay, sometimes yes, sometimes films do, the best don't, um, but that's the case anytime, right? You can tell when something's being heavy-handed, and it should be pretty easy to separate the heavy-handed from something you actually enjoy. So, I've got no problem with that. I mean, you draw the line. You can draw the line where something is too heavy-handed, or when you think it's towing that line correctly. And you see this every year with debates amongst horror fans. So, the quest is to reclaim horror, a genre that's text was often so sleazy and galling that it was the perfect place to sneak in some overlooked subtext as serious. The inherent quality of work is easily cast aside. Neo-horror wants you to take it seriously on the presumption that the genre has never earned it before. I don't think that's true in all cases. Um, I certainly think it is in some cases, and I'll get into that at the end of this article. But I'm not wholly opposed to these so-called elevated horror films. Some of them, Many of them actually are very good. If you want to consider any of these as even loosely elevated, I'm a little up in arms with some of these, calling them elevated horror, and I think this stems again to the problem of what is elevated horror. But let's keep going on, because uh, Brianna does have pretty good taste in some horror films, as you'll see. Uh, Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala's The Lodge, great, it is. As is Oz Perkins' The Black Coat's Daughter, yep. Jeremy Saulnier's Green Room, Ah, excellent movie. Lee Cronin's incredibly underseen The Hole in the Ground, another good one. Both of Robert Eggers' A24 ventures. The Witch is good. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to get into that now, but I'm not a huge fan of The Lighthouse, but let's let's keep going. I even enjoyed multiple times what many consider to be the trend's poster child, Hereditary. Okay? Yeah, that's a really good list of movies. 
Although I don't know if I agree, like I said, if many of those are um, elevated horror. But anyway, but my most recent watch of Hereditary with my parents just a few months ago got me thinking about the film differently, and not because my taste changed pretty substantially since I saw it as a college undergrad. The number of times my mom and dad laughed and riffed with one other one another during the gravely solemn film about a grieving family inherited curse, a mental illness metaphor, didn't indicate their disconnect to the story, nor did it show an unwillingness to take the material seriously. And there I was, joking at the film alongside them, that I had once disturbed me so acutely that I had felt rattled for the rest of the day. It kind of seems like to me that you're not taking the content seriously. <laughs> I mean, what is that? Oh, just because we're laughing and making jokes on this doesn't make mean we don't take it seriously. It kind of sounds like it. So, um, anyway, <laughs> I think you're shooting yourself in the foot there. But the experience was a revelation for me. Yes, this is all a bit silly, isn't it? Granted, this has a lot more to do with my general exasperation at this style of horror. Hereditary is at least more thematically well-realized and visually stimulating than men. After watching the latter, part of me wondered if Alex Garland was in on the joke. If he had intentionally set out to make a horror film so threadbare and painfully metaphorical as to satirize the trajectory of the genre and the hereditaries of our time. More likely, however, it is yet another tiresome stepping stone on that path to nowhere. Okay, so that's the article. Um, like I said, there's some stuff I agree with in there for sure. A lot of that is just nonsense to me, though. I want to get into a broader topic on the trend. Uh, let's jump over. Um, let me grab up some notes here and some talking points I want to go over. And as always, I would love to hear your feedback on this particular topic after it's over and your thoughts on the whole thing and just elevated horror in general. But so the first thing I want to talk about is when did the term elevated horror originate? Well, I think it was a couple years after, but I think The Witch uh, is certainly the first film to be called elevated horror. And you get that to an extent, but really, in, you had the Babadook before that as well, or at least around the same time, and that one was being called Elevated Horror, I think, after The Witch, so that was kind of lumped in, which people started to cling on to this. And then you would get things like The Black Coat's Daughter and Get Out and Hereditary, and the filmmakers weren't doing themselves any favors because, yeah, a lot of the times, I get it, it came off as pretentious or self-serious, and even like Jordan Peele was talking about Get Out as a, you know, psychological thriller. I hate the term psychological thriller because you're trying to describe something, sure, but what you're really doing is saying this is not a horror movie. And I get that a lot. A lot of thrillers are just considered not horror movies, and I always include them on my list. Now, that's up to you what you want to do. But anyway, I think this really probably came about from the same media that's writing about how tired it is today, and there are plenty of those articles out there attacking it. And it didn't help the filmmakers, like I said, were jumping on the bandwagon, not necessarily using the term elevated horror, but thinking like, oh, my work is above horror. I'm sure there's some of those, but there's some, I think Ty West, why I say definitely don't use elevated horror with him is I think he has a general love for the genre. And I think he puts care and a lot of effort into everything he does. Um, and I think it's an homage to horror movies. Like why else would he set a period piece type film like The House of the Devil? It just just doesn't, the term just doesn't make sense. Because we get into my next point of what does it mean? Is it about artsy films with a message? You know, if so, what about films like Rosemary's Baby or Repulsion or Night of the Living Dead in the 60s? 
There have been films with messages for years and years. Val Luton films have had messages and are considered horror movies. They all pretty much had some kind of message that he wanted to portray. Where are we getting this term and why are we just opening up now? I even saw an article that was like top eight elevated horror movies and they that have impacted the genre. And they went back and they were naming like Psycho and Rosemary's Baby and stuff elevated horror. And I'm like, how dare you go and take this modern fluff term and go apply it to some of the absolute greats of the genre? And they do. They applied it to the modern greats of the genre. And now they're going back and applying it to the older piece of the genre. Genre. Um, my main problem is elevated horror is usually not used in a positive way by those in the horror community. It's mostly used by those outside of the horror community. And that's why I say I have no disrespect for Brianna uh, Ziegler, because she seems like a genuine horror fan who has some pretty good taste in horror movies, for the most part. Or at least my <laughs> the way I view it. Um, everyone has their own opinion and are entitled to it. But my thing is, like, you can't... It's not a genre. It's not. Because what if I say haunted house movie? You could easily give me, you know, 25, 30 haunted house movies off the top of your head, and no one would ever disagree with you. What if you wanted to say, you know, slashers? Again, you could easily give me 25 to 30 slashers, and most people would agree. Now, if you're going to say Terminator, um, and you get really cute with it, like Jay of the Dead, that's one thing all on its own. I think Jay intends to ruffle feathers when he says stuff like that. And that's just who Jay is, and I love Jay for that. But minor arguments aside, I think you're going to be able to do that. Now, when I'm reading this article and reading some of these movies, because I had a hard time thinking past, like, eight or nine films that I would consider elevated horror to even go in this. And when you have a genre, a subgenre, that is full of a nothing term, like elevated horror, what does it mean? Elevated, rising above. Horror, horror. This is rising above horror. It's better than horror. It, it makes no sense. It might be used by mainstream media. It might be used by mainstream fans to make themselves feel better about liking horror movies. It really might be. You can say what you want about Roger Ebert, but he made no bones about what he liked and what he didn't like, and he didn't try to dress something up. He didn't try to dress Halloween up um, when he said that he liked it. Same way, yeah, he put Friday the 13th down and a couple of their films down, for sure. But when he does like one, he's not trying to dress it up as something completely different. Next, you know, is it just about appealing to the mainstream? Is it about trying to get mainstream recognition for the horror genre? And that goes into a couple of different aspects. The first thing is, what are you trying to achieve? Do you want high box office returns so that horror is taken more seriously and gets more money? Well, we've had that with plenty of others, like I said, outside of this elevated horror. Is that what you're trying to, to do? Because if so, I mean, horror movies have burst into the mainstream. There was a huge push for that in the 70s when we're getting these big stars and we're getting these big you know, high-profile horror movies that are, you know, Jaws created the blockbuster, and that's a horror movie. Jaws did incredibly well at the box office. You had things like The Omen, who would take Gregory Peck and put him in a leading role in a horror movie. You had The Exorcist, which, you know, transcended so many boundaries. We've had this before, and it's not... I mean, you can have... You can throw as many stars or as many money, as much money as you want to at a movie. If the movie's not good, it's not going to break through. And just because of the way a movie is spun doesn't mean it's necessarily going to have high, stream, high success. Although, 
there's a podcaster, and this is completely in an unrelated um, topic from movies that he podcast about, and he's high on these A24 films, and mostly saying stuff like, oh yeah, Hereditary's great, Midsommar's great, all this stuff, but then also says stuff like, oh, horror movies don't work today because there's so much technology, it just doesn't make sense that someone would actually be in danger in a horror movie and all this stuff, and I'm like, Man, you are the poster child for what this article was tearing down. You're so into this elevated horror, quote-unquote, and you think all other horror is unnecessary, and that's that's fine. There are people with narrow views, especially outside of our community. If you're inside of our community, like I said, you know, most of the time we're pretty welcoming, and yeah, we might bicker and fight about what's good, what's bad, all this, but I think we're still usually always in it together and in it for the horror and the love of the genre, genuinely. So if you're not trying to do box office success, because these movies, like said again, they're not going to pull in a ton. They're going to pull in pretty good. They're going to pull in some really good hauls for their budget, sure. Well, are you in it about getting recognition for awards? You know, uh, you might as well not be barking up that tree because the days of them giving awards to actual good, fun movies are pretty much over. It's much more about... You know, which movie is, makes you feel the worst. Um, I think the Real Talk guys really do a good job of describing the phenomenon and how the Oscars kind of fell. Um, and maybe even Dave Dr. Shock Becker and Nathan Bartleball. I can't remember who all talked about that, but there have been several good points out there about, you know, what has happened with uh, the Oscars and all that. And I don't know why you would want to associate yourself with that dinosaur of a show. Who really cares about the recognition? You know the awards that I care about? I care about, you know, horror movie podcast and Land of the Creeps and I care about Father and Son and I care about Phantom Galaxy and I care about all those podcast uh, real talk and I know I'm forgetting some, I'm sorry, but all those who name their top movies at the end of the year. I might not agree with them, sure. I might be like, what are you doing? Why are you putting this here and that there? But I'm not... That's where I'm looking, because these are actual horror fans who love horror, and they're giving their, you know, their opinions on what they think are the best horror movies. I don't care what any of the press really has to say, for the most part. I don't. I want the horror community members, the guys that are out there, have loved horror forever, and are putting their time into it, to tell me what they think are the best horror movies of the year. So I'm just not one of those ones who gets upset about things being slighted, and you know... HMP and Father and Son for a while have both been putting out some really good um, horror Oscar shows where they recognize awards if the Oscars gave a crap about horror, which they don't. You're lucky to get nominated and get a win for makeup and costume and things like that. So I don't really care. I've never really cared about the Oscars for a long time since they've kind of gone down a path I don't really want to follow. And Usually the best picture nominees, I've seen a couple, and I don't really have an intention to see more. So that's on me. That's how I feel. But I don't know why we feel like when a film does get nominated for an award that people have to disguise it as something else and call it elevated horror or psychological thriller or this or that to make them feel better about it actually being included. I can't stand that. You know, when Get Out or something like The Shape of Water, which I don't think is necessarily straight up horror, when those things get nominated... It, people are quick to distance them from being actual horror movies. So, and that begs the question and my last little talking point of why do we feel like we need to legitimize horror? If we love it, something we love, you know, sci-fi, 
it's weird to see the trajectory because you have things like superhero films and Star Wars way in the mainstream. And objectively, you know, I'm always going to be high on superhero films. Um, I'm still not fatigued by them because I just love seeing all these different ones pop up in different takes. Sure, it gets tiring and I get it. But that's legitimately, that's crossed into the mainstream. Star Wars has also crossed in the mainstream for better or worse. I don't mind. I enjoy the sequel trilogy and the spinoffs and all that stuff, but it's just too much. There's just too much. Uh, The problem with Star Wars is it's all set with the same cast of characters, a very limited cast of characters, and a very limited time period when you have all this large swath of time to go in. So it's cool to see stuff like that in the mainstream, but it's also detrimental, and it can be detrimental to creativity and development. (sighs) So, but that's, that goes to my point of, like, legitimizing sci-fi legitimizing horror, legitimizing fantasy, legitimizing anything you want to talk about, video games, anime, um, anything that's been on the fringe for a long time that suddenly becomes popular. And I think that kind of creates a sense of, you know, us against the world. Horror has gotten more popular than ever. Do we need to legitimize it? No. Do we need to just welcome new people and try to give them recommendations of films they'd like? Yeah, sure. I think that's the main point for me is if we want to get more people on board and get them into it, just, you know, be there. Be someone who recommends a weird horror movie to someone that you think they'd like based on their taste, and try to get someone in more and more. I love seeing young fans of the genre, and the parents that are fostering them, and letting them watch it, and, you know, I didn't have that with my parents. My parents were very protective over what we watched until a certain age, and I was terrified of horror movies anyway as a kid. So I love seeing those parents out there. I'm not going to mention any because there are way too many that are out there preaching the good gospel of horror to their children and bringing up this next generation. But it's just great to see that. And talking to someone like like Jackson over on Father and Son, who, you know, he was in high school when he started podcasting and now he's in college and just seeing how his taste grow and develop and seeing him watch these older films, and really giving a true, you know, his true feelings on the film. He's not churching it up. He's not going to say, oh, I love this film because it's a classic. And I like that, and I think there needs to be more of that. Challenging classics, challenging this and that. If you don't feel a certain way about a classic, don't feel bad, you know? You're not going to win them all. You're not going to get every one, but... uh, Do we need something to be legitimized? Would I rather not be judged for playing video games or watching anime or, you know, watching horror movies. Sure. But my parents are always going to be judgmental of that stuff. My family's always going to be sort of judgmental about that stuff, at least the older ones. And that's okay. I'm perfectly fine with that because I like what I like. Uh, My wife's going to criticize my stuff and I'm going to criticize her stuff. And that's just going to go back and forth. And that's fine. That's, that's part of life. Not everyone likes the same kind of stuff. But the thing is, is that think at the end of the day, elevated horror just does not make sense. And in, like Brianna's saying, it's time to retire the term, if not the subject matter. The subject matter, I think, you have to take a film on a film-by-film basis. There Things go in waves. Everyone made slashers in the 80s because it's what they thought they could make money in. And, you know, some people did have a genuine drive behind them and really wanted to make great films. And you're going to get that with elevated horror. I think these... I don't think anyone... Okay, I don't think most of these people mentioned are trying to phone anything in. I think they're all talented directors, and they're just trying to say what they want to say. 
but these are people who were were brought up maybe on more art movies than some people making horror films in the 80s or the 90s were. I don't know that for sure, but there's been such there's so much more access to movies now than there was back then. You know, if you have something like Psycho and Halloween and different things like that to pull off of, you're going to make a certain type of movie. Now, if you can go back in the archives and you're watching all these silent films and these French New Wave films and this and that and everything else, and you get those all as influences, and now you're trying to start thinking more outside the box. You know, I, I just don't think we need this term, and I don't think we need to blindly just say, all these are bad, stop doing it. There are certainly some out there that are very heavy-handed, there are certainly some out of there that really don't have anything to say. They're just meandering along and trying to make something that feels like art house. But if we're saying art house, I mean, are we trying to call elevated horror art house films? Because if so, I mean, we've been getting art house films for decades and decades. And from all different angles and genres, and it's nothing new. So I guess at the end of the day, my takeaway is I don't understand, one, an attacking of the term elevated horror... Because who are you attacking? You're not attacking anyone within their genre. I feel like most people feel the same. I mean, the new Scream movie had something about elevated horror that I actually liked. A lot of people, it was hit or miss, but whatever. But it had to tackle that because that was the new thing. And really, I don't think this really progresses anything along. To do this, we just have to ignore it. We have to let elevated horror roll off our backs and just put these things in the categories you want to put them in. If you want to call, you know, The Lighthouse an art house type psychological film, call it that. You don't have to call it Elevated Horror. You don't have to call Get Out Elevated Horror. Uh, just call it horror, man. There's no Elevated. Nothing's better than the rest, you know? Slacks gets just as much respect from me as, you know, A Quiet Place or Get Out or anything. It's not as good. But my point is, is that there are so many different things. I, let's take 2020, for example, since that's a, a good one, I think. You've got your so-called The Lodge is Elevated Horror or something like Possessor or something like that. I would put those things right alongside. My number one film from that year was The Wretched. Or you've got The Invisible Man or Peninsula or Impedagore or Freaky. Freaky's a good example. Um, Host. You know, there are so many fun horror movies that I think are on par, and I treat them all the same. A horror movie is a horror movie. If I want to put The Wretched as my number one for 2020, and I put it over The Lodge, which I didn't know was considered elevated horror, but I guess, then that's my prerogative, and that's how I view it. I don't dock points to The Lodge for trying to have a message and being less violent and more artsy. I don't give points to The Wretched for, you know, being a more straightforward horror movie. I don't give points to something like Freaky for the things it does, and it's nostalgic, kind of like hitting on tropes and making fun of those and stuff. I don't give things points just because they're one thing or another. I give things points because of things I like and don't like within the film. And that's why I think it's just time to let this one go. The next time people start talking about elevated horror to you, just just let it go, man. Just let it roll off you. And I know I've done a whole 40-minute episode about this topic right here, but I just wanted to get this out there. Let's just treat horror movies as horror movies. We don't have to talk about elevated horror. We don't have to talk about this or that. I think it's time to just move on and say The Witch is just a great film. 
The Witch is just a great film. Uh, the Babadook's just a good film. Good to great film for me. You know, these are just good movies. And be like uh, Mr. Watson over on Horror Movie Weekly, uh, Jay of the Dead's new horror movies, Watsy Party Horror Show. He, if there's a film that takes a reading, if you want something more supernatural, just put it in your mind as supernatural, you know? If you want something that's more straightforward and a metaphor for something in real life, then take it as that. If you want to think there's a werewolf in the movie, that's fine. If you want to think it's just a metaphor for being on the outskirts of society or going through puberty, whatever you want to say, um, then take that. Just take the reading you want. We don't have to sit here and we don't have to talk at lengths about this stuff. Everything's valid. Everything you think about a movie is valid. It's fine. Everyone has an opinion. Let's just be nicer to each other in general. And uh, honestly, just welcome those in the horror community, whether or not, you know, if they're new people coming in and they came in on Hereditary or they came in on Get Out, welcome them with open arms. Try to show them some other stuff. But yeah, it's all going to be about a generational divide because I know you'll still have those people who are, you know, 80s horror all day. That's all I like. And you have people that are like, oh, I only watch the modern stuff. I had a um, a friend in high school and through college who was very up-to-date on modern horror, but really didn't watch anything back in the old days. Anything from the 60s, 70s, 80s, nothing really there. <laughs> no background. I think you'll find the best, and, and that's fine. If you just want to watch new stuff, that's fine. If you just want to watch old stuff, that's fine. Like I said, a horror fan's a horror fan. But I feel like the best and most well-balanced people that are, you know, qualified to talk about horror, like a little bit of both, and they're open to pretty much everything. So I've been there before when I've, you know, turned my nose up at stuff or said something's a little too pretentious, and I'm still going to probably do that kind of stuff. But we're all horror fans. Just watch the stuff you love, and more importantly, talk about the stuff you love and evangelize the stuff you love. Let's focus on the positive more than tearing down the negative, but I wanted to put this out there as a reaction to that article because it did get something stirred in me and something I've been thinking about and pondering for a long time and why we need to try to legitimize something, and it's been done for years. I mean, Silence of the Lambs is up for an Academy Award, and it's suddenly people don't treat that as a horror movie, uh, and it's time and time again it's like that, but Anyway, uh, let me know if you enjoyed this or if I rambled on for too long, if you think maybe I shouldn't uh, keep doing these, or if you want some more of these smaller episodes about a freeform topic like this in the future. Because remember, maybe this isn't history, but it's going to inform the history of the genre for sure. The time of elevated horror and the rise of the indie, and where that indie horror kind of meets into the mainstream, they're starting to be taken into more mainstream theaters and things like that. That's a key moment, and that's a key moment in reviving the horror industry in the United States. Remember, the revival did not come from the big studios. They were still putting out a lot of recycled garbage around this time. The revival came from the young filmmakers who people have the audacity to call, you know, pretentious and all this other stuff today. So, the revival of the industry was built on their backs. So, let's think about that maybe next time we want to say something about... Um, Robert Edgers, or we want to say something about Alex Garland, or want to say something about Ty West. They were out there doing the work when the big studios didn't seem to care either way. So just keep that in mind. That's going to be it for this 
brief impromptu episode. The release schedule is getting a little hairy here coming out, and I don't know where I'm going to fall with getting the rest of the Alfred Hitchcock stuff out or moving into the next topic. So just, we're going to play it by ear. Just uh, give me some slack, if you will, please, as I keep adjusting to my new way of life here. And I hope to get as much stuff out to you as possible when I can. Hopefully I get back into a regular cadence at some point, but we're starting to get there. Anyway, you can follow the podcast over on Twitter at Screaming Ages. You can get in on the Facebook group and get into the conversation. I'm not as active on social media right now. I'm trying to get better and better at that um, and starting some conversations. So anything you want to start a topic on or anything like that, maybe I'll start talking on some of these broader topics here and there. Um, please feel free to do so in the Facebook group, on the Twitter. It's an open Facebook group, so you can just join if you're interested. Uh, also, you can go over to the website where I'm started to do some blogging as far as like uh, release dates and maybe for newer films and maybe I'll start to do some other stuff over there but there is a blog section on the website now and you can also find all the episodes there as well as wherever you get your favorite podcast appreciate it if you tell your friends and spread the word as always yeah and I just want to thank you know just give another round of applause and thanks to all of those horror podcasts who kind of laid the groundwork for me to get into this and be able to have this platform to talk about stuff it's not a stretch to say most of the people that listen to this, or a lot of people that started listening to this at least, came from um, some other podcast you heard about this from some other podcast, or, you know, I interacted before with you based on some other podcast. So I really appreciate that. appreciate everyone for listening, and appreciate all those shows that have come before and laid the groundwork for this. I don't say that enough, but thank you. And I think you know who you are, but mostly if I listen to your show, you're in that category. So um, I thank you for that. Until next time, keep your eye on your favorite podcast feed for your next bi-weekly horror movie history lesson.